You're listening to the Shoeless Podcast, where we talk candidly about married life and parenting within the domestic church in the light of Carmelite spirituality and the Catholic faith. We're your hosts, Donald and Megan Wallenfang, and we invite you into today's conversation of living Catholic with abandon. to this episode of the Shoeless Podcast. We are excited to wonder together about a topic that is very dear to the heartbeat of our family. The Montessori philosophy sets the pulse for the rhythms of life in our home and leads us on a mission of searching and discovery. So today we want to ask why Montessori? What is it about this woman, Maria Montessori, that has impacted the world so greatly? What exactly is the Montessori philosophy? What does her philosophy offer to all people of all time? I think it's fun for us to think about how we even came across this name, Maria Montessori. So to kind of go back in time and think about when we first heard about her, and I would say... Uh, it was right away into our marriage. We first heard about, I think you knew about Montessori growing up from mm-hmm. family friends, mm-hmm. the Muldoons, Jim and Cinda Muldoon, whose children went to Montessori school. So I think that wasn't, it wasn't an unusual word for you. Mm-hmm. And then I was in school doing music therapy and had an opportunity to even be doing an internship in a Montessori environment, which was really unique and special. So I was introduced then a little bit. And then shortly after we conceived our daughter, Ellen, Chris Collins, a good family friend of ours as well, told us about something called Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, which is a Catholic faith formation program, you could say, uh, using the Montessori philosophy. Mm -hmm. So I think right away in our marriage, we heard this name Montessori and knew that it was something that was good and we were attracted to it and wanted to dive more into understanding and see what this would mean for our family. Yeah, I remember growing up, as you mentioned, my good friends Craig and Caitlin going to Montessori school. And I went to a Catholic school from kindergarten until I graduated high school. I remember thinking about this Montessori school. I didn't know a lot about it. I was quite ignorant, but I knew it was unorthodox Mm -hmm. in comparison with my Catholic school, the way it worked Mm -hmm. and what was valued there in terms of education and achievement. And I think probably part of me was kind of jealous of my my good Mm -hmm. friends and neighbors going to this school and going about life at what seemed to be a much slower and different pace Mm -hmm. than oftentimes my days felt like a rat race and very competitive Mm. and trying to excel Mm -hmm. in different areas as if that was the point Mm -hmm. that was the point of life so as we got older in life and came to learn more about this Montessori method of education for children we just fell in love with it completely convinced 100% that this is the best approach for children, if at all possible. Mm -hmm. 
if at all possible. Mm -hmm. So I think um, we want to meet Maria Montessori a little bit and think about who she was. And she was born in 1870 in Italy and began studies like any child would with opportunities in Italy and didn't necessarily at first excel, but over time, over the years, was maybe more of a student that seemed to grasp concepts easier. And she had aspirations initially to become an engineer, but in the end decided to turn her attention towards medicine and ended up graduating the top of her class and became the first female physician in Italy. And I think this is notable because she's thought of as an educator, But the reality was is that she was a physician. She was a doctor. And I think this gives her a really interesting perspective on life because she approached life with the scientific method, sort of. She would make a hypothesis about things, but one that she knew could be proven wrong. And she would study, she would observe, she would watch with great passion to see what would happen. She was ready to encounter the unexpected. So that was to say that she didn't imagine how things would go exactly, and she was welcoming to new things that revealed themselves. Yeah, it's so great how she began her pursuit of knowledge with great wonder. Mm-hmm. All of these questions, right. all of these why questions, mm-hmm. and she found the scientific method to be a helpful mm-hmm. approach to discovering the causes mm-hmm. of things that give them the reason for their being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in previous podcasts, we talked about phenomenology a little bit and the importance of bracketing the natural attitude and and she was a true scientist in this way is that she would bracket her natural attitude to allow for something to give itself in a new and unexpected way and so what happened was over time she was given an opportunity to work with children in 1906 actually on January 6th the Feast of Epiphany she was given the opportunity to work with children who were living in poverty in the San Lorenzo district in Italy these children were thought to not have a lot of potential, people would have said, not a lot of capabilities, possibly unruly, but at the least, their hygiene wasn't good, maybe a little unkept. Their parents were very busy working. So she was able to set up a school, so to speak, called the Casa dei Bambini. It was in an apartment building, so all the children were in this building, and they would all come down to a room where Montessori had set up an environment. And little by little, the environment changed as she observed the children so carefully and so diligently. And what I think is so beautiful, she writes in her books, is that she refers to the importance of unpinning the butterfly. Up Mm. until this point, children were observed as pinned butterflies, she would Mm. say. If we have a display in a museum of butterflies and we stare at the butterfly, we can say things about the butterfly that we observe. Mm -hmm. We can talk about the way that they are shaped, the way that the wings are shaped. We might notice differences in the wing shape. We might notice color differences, size differences. And those are all helpful things to observe about the butterfly. But one of the most beautiful things about the butterfly is the fact that they fly. Mm -hmm. And when a butterfly is pinned, we can't see that it flies. We also 
aren't able to observe where it came from, the fact that it was a caterpillar Mm -hmm. and morphed beautifully into this butterfly. So she said we needed to do the same thing with children. We need Mm -hmm. to unpin them. Mm -hmm. If we want to truly observe children, we can't force them into desks, into rigid chairs where they can't move. So she created environments where movement was incredibly necessary in the environment. But natural. Right. Mm-hmm. She recognized that, that movement was natural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she created an environment where movement was purposeful. And as we've talked about in previous podcasts with work, she gave them purposeful movement and therefore purposeful work. Mm-hmm. Children that were thought to have no potential whatsoever slowly began to reveal secrets to Maria Montessori about who the child was. And ultimately, Maria Montessori took these observations and realized that what she was discovering about the child was perhaps even applicable to all of humanity. And and so she came up with human tendencies, which ended up being codified by her son, Mario Montessori, later in life. But she found that So much of what she was observing through her lifetime of discovery, right up until she passed away in 1952 in the Netherlands, really gave us clues for all of humanity. Mm -hmm. Clues for all humanity, beginning with the child and observing the Mm -hmm. child and his or her environment, Mm -hmm. natural environment. Mm -hmm. And that's a real key relationship she has between the child and the environment Mm -hmm. and the adult. Mm -hmm. The adult primarily as observer. Mm -hmm. So a woman or a man who is serving in the atrium environment with children would be called a directress Mm -hmm. or a director. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of... A paradox because they're not doing most of the work when the child's in the environment. They do the work before the child gets in the environment mm-hmm. to prepare the environment. Mm-hmm. But then they mainly observe the child. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think that's it's helpful to think about in our Catholic spirituality. We've heard of things like spiritual directors. So I think when we think of who a spiritual director is, it's, it's an appropriate word to say that someone serving in a monastery environment is a director or a directress. A spiritual director is really not someone who's doing the work for the person in spiritual direction. They're really setting an environment and really prompting with questions. Mostly Mm -hmm. they're asking questions to help the person to enter into self-discovery. So a director or a directress isn't so much saying what to do or prescribing different things, but of pointing back to the person that they're in front of and reframing things with questions mm-hmm. all together pointing toward the whole mm-hmm. this is what's so unique about the Montessori approach is it's so committed to the whole of reality mm-hmm. and what's come to be known as cosmic mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. not in the sense of cosmic bowling where there's all these neon lights or something but cosmic in the sense of cosmos mm-hmm. which is a Greek word that means order and it's another word for the whole universe, mm-hmm. to think toward the whole, mm-hmm. to live toward the whole, mm-hmm. to be within the whole, like you said, the unpinned butterfly, mm-hmm. 
and not reduce the whole to less than it really is. Mm -hmm. Not treat the whole superficially. This is something Montessori really helps to lead us in, especially drawing our attention back to the child and what we could call this philosophy of childhood or theology of childhood, that we understand the universe better as adults the more we observe children and follow their contemplative lead. Mm -hmm. Right. You mentioned this triangular relationship. I don't know if you use those words, but you said the environment and the adult and the child. And this is a key point of Montessori in thinking about its approach in everyday life, not only in a Montessori environment, but in homes and just with any of our interactions as adults. So the triangular relationship in a Montessori environment talks about the child at the apex of an equilateral triangle with the adult and the environment on the two bases supporting the child. And we could picture arrows kind of going between each and that there's a dynamic relationship between each of these so that the adult is observing the child and based on what the child does the adult interprets how to set the environment and the environment serves the child and the child works in the environment by setting the environment and watching the child work in the environment the environment tells the adult what might need to be changed in the environment so what we're hearing in all of this is the importance of observation and of asking questions of who is this child? Who is the adult? And what is the environment? And I think what the implications are for everyday life, whether it's in a Montessori setting or in home life or for adults in the workplace and interacting there, is the question of who is within this triangular relationship that I'm in? What is this environment that I'm in? And who is the person that faces me? I think these questions are not often answered, not asked, and then not answered either. So we don't ask, who is this person that faces me? And how could I, who should I be to the person that faces me? And how can I create an environment that, as Montessori said, one of her big topics was that the environment is an aid to life. Mm-hmm. So when we're thinking about all these people that we're interacting with and the environment that we are working to create, whether it's even just an environment of hospitality in the grocery store with a stranger, we wonder who is this person in front of me and what environment does this person need me to create for there to be an aid to life? Hmm. I think this gives us a lot to think about, not only for our families, if we have families and children, but just even within the strangers that we meet every day, who should I be to create an environment to aid someone else in life? Hmm, That's a great question. And maybe we could just share a little bit about how the Montessori approach has influenced the way we've homeschooled our own children and why we've chosen to homeschool Mm -hmm. all these years. What's the environment that we create for them mm-hmm. in the home mm-hmm. or going outside? Mm-hmm. What is this environment look like mm-hmm. overall inside and mm-hmm. outside? If we ask this question, I think back over the years raising our kids and for me, getting outside is a big deal. Mm-hmm. I think there's a complementarity and even a dialectical relationship between home and wilderness. Mm-hmm. And we have to live 
within both kind of environments. Mm -hmm. We have to set out into the unpredictable wilderness to discover those butterflies, those birds, those animals, those weather patterns, mm -hmm. all the elements, to live close to the land mm -hmm. in this way. And this definitely is something important to Maria Montessori and her disciples that mm -hmm. came decades since. And then the home, the domestic environment, that it is a well-ordered environment, mm -hmm. a prepared environment, one in which objects to work with, their hands for the children are accessible, mm -hmm. they're at their level, and it's not an environment that is suited just for an adult person, mm -hmm. but for a small person, a mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. This is a key. Mm -hmm. Right. So when our children have been younger, now our youngest is eight, so things have shifted a little bit. Things have gotten a little bit taller for everybody. But when everyone was younger, we would have dishes at a very low level. We'd have a cart with dishes so that the cart could actually be rolled to unload the dishwasher. And then the cart would be wheeled into the dining room and all the dishes would be right at eye level for all the children. So they could get their own plates. They could set the table. Mm -hmm. And it gives children a sense of belonging and purpose within the home. Yeah, so it's things like this that children will need to use in the home, making it very accessible to them. And like you said, making it a size that they need. So mm -hmm. finding cups that are child size cups or plates that are child size but yet finding them with the very best quality. We don't need to offer everything in plastic for the child. We trust the child with the very best. And this mm. was something that Montessori stressed as well, is giving the youngest the very best, giving them the essentials, but the most important and the best, and trusting them with it, and knowing that they're capable of, of carrying something that's glass without breaking it. There's so much more that we could talk about, and this is only one episode, Why Montessori? So there's limitations with these huge why questions in the span of 20, 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. But this is good, at least scratching the surface, pointing to the tip of the iceberg mm -hmm. here, and there's much more to say. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can just bring this episode to a close with prayer. Mm-hmm. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We thank you, God, and praise you for the way that you have created us, given us such great gifts in creation and in each other as humanity. We thank you for the people that have paved the way before us with such brave and courageous study and observation we, we praise you for their, their peace and their patience. Mm -hmm. And we ask that you give us the same peace and patience as we observe all the people in our lives, the people that we love and the people that are total strangers and the people that maybe even feel like difficult to love and, and maybe feel like enemies. But we ask you to give us the same spirit as Maria Montessori had of peace and patience in in waiting and observing and discovering who each person is and and how you have made them and how you desire for them to live fullness of life yes lord god we thank you so much for the gift of maria montessori her philosophy of education that orbits around 
the contemplative proclivities of the child. You created us to be contemplative, O Lord, to ponder your goodness, the fullness of your being, your life, your love, your mercy, how you love without end, how you love unconditionally. We pray that you would help us to continue to observe children in the way they approach your world with such wonder and joy and fascination and contemplation. May we become like these mature children in their religious potential that shines forth and guides us to contemplate your glory. As we pray, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Shoeless Podcast. We hope you continue the conversation in your own home and with the people you love. We hope it challenges and inspires you to walk shoeless in the world and to live Catholic with abandon. 